Welcome to to Peace, Peace, Love, and Soup. Soup. Audio nourishment for the heart and mind. With Brian Delaney and Tave Fashe Drake. When I say the words mother and soup, what pops into your mind? My mom would make soup, not really soups I was crazy about, but when I was a little kid and I was sick, she would always make me Mrs. Grass's chicken soup, which has the golden egg. And this became very important to me. I still have Mrs. Grass's chicken soup when I'm sick. And I think when I was six and my mother made it, there was no golden egg. I was very upset. So we wrote the company and they sent us a coupon so that we could buy three boxes of Mrs. Grass's soup for free. It made a big impression on me. Tave, hello. Hello, Brian. Welcome to May. Well, let's share with our listeners what we've got in store for them. This month, we're honoring and celebrating mothers everywhere. Married, single, and adoptive. From newly sleep-deprived moms to well-rested grandmothers. We hear sweet stories from strangers on the street about their mother's fun, lovingly prepared soups. And in the kitchen this month, we'll be making the mother of all soups, chicken noodle. Traditional? Hell yeah. yeah. But with some upgrades and hacks. Inspired by our interviewed guests. I can almost hear our mothers calling us to the table now. Time to get our soup on. (laughs) Won't you join us? I'm Eli, and I'm 12 years old. Who'd you bring with you? My mom's name is Alex, and she is 52 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Alex is a writer in Portland. Her debut story collection is Planet Grimm. She teaches through writers in the school. I was reading your stuff. It was so moving. (laughs) Thanks. The essays that you read are from a memoir that I haven't had published yet. So just can I reference one of your articles, Napalm Picnic? You say in the story, motherhood wasn't a desire out of frustration, but a longing from childhood. So you always wanted to be a mother. Can you talk about the process? Oh, sure. Um, About 1998, um, I started to try to get pregnant, but it took a few years before I was tested. And then I found out I was going to have difficulty because my fallopian tubes were blocked. And it took a really long time to say that I was infertile. Yeah, even saying it now, it's kind of hard. I wouldn't really wish it on anybody, but I've written about how that feels to have it not work out twice. So I'm just so happy that it turned out that I could be Eli's mom, that it was worth all the pain and the money. Once I realized that it would be difficult for me to bear a child, I got involved with this group in San Francisco called Resolve. They were great because they brought in all these different families who were formed through adoption. So I met birth mothers, parents who had adopted from China and Guatemala and in the United States and kind of talked about the whole process so it didn't seem as scary. We chose China because we just really liked the Chinese-American culture. What was it like when you were first able to hold this lovely human being in your arms? He was 10 months old, didn't know how to crawl. So then the nannies brought him out and put him in my arms. He just kind of like was curious, so he had interest in us, but 
I think that I just felt like, wow, this stranger, they're giving me this stranger. Mm. And then I don't really remember, but I've seen a video that I just go, my baby, my baby. And when we got back to the hotel, we actually fed him soup. But he cried and cried. And I thought, oh, was it too hot? But I think that he was grieving and he was scared. Eli, do you have any memory of being in the orphanage? Or not really. Young? Yeah. Most of the really old memories are just from looking back at pictures. We had three referral photos, and he was just so cute. He was dressed in pink, because pink is a boy's color, and he looked like a little Michelin man all stuffed, because the orphanages aren't heated, mm -hmm. so they just wrapped him up in as much clothes as possible. When you finally had him, it had to just be like, oh, thank heavens, I have this child. Oh, true. Yeah, I think also there's a sense of being conspicuous, because everyone wanted to have comments. Even before we adopted him, there people had opinions like, well, you shouldn't adopt from another country. There's all these kids here who need parents. It's just like a lot of judgment around that I didn't expect. Well, and you mentioned <laughs> in one of your articles about labels and calling you adoptive mom. Do you like that label? I just want to be mom, but I mm -hmm. do tend to write about adoption a lot. So mm -hmm. then I, I can't have it both ways. Having an adopted brother myself, it's mm -hmm. something really dear to my heart. Can you comment on my theory that adopted children are especially treasured? Well, I think that any woman who has a child biologically would probably disagree. So I can only speak for myself. He is treasured. And also, he taught me to be the kind of mom that he needs. For instance, food. I think that's the way he first bonded with us. Like, he didn't understand English, but he would just, like tap us and need us, cry and want these bottles, because I think that that was a way for him to get attention from other adults in his life. In his DNA, there's certain foods that he likes, like he loves rice, he loves spicy foods, he loves soy sauce. So there's certain things that he gravitates towards. Oh, nice. What was the first soup that you fed right. him that you were mentioning? A noodle soup. Yeah, he loved noodles as a little kid, yeah. What does the word mothering mean to you? Eli's dad, he's living in China now. When we were all living together, I felt like I had like these kind of tentacles going out all the time to try to figure out like what everyone was doing and how whatever needs were met. Like sometimes I would need my own space. So I went to grad school and that enabled me to find my own space as a writer. But as far as mothering, I guess I just want Eli to feel secure. I really want him to go visit China and I'm hoping that he'll want to go back to his orphanage one day because I think that usually if you go back, you'll get more information. But in China, like only 10% of the kids who are in orphanages would be adopted internationally at the time, and now a lot fewer. So 90% of the kids will be institutionalized their whole life. And probably at 16, then they would be laborers. Eli's Chinese surname means river. And so all of the kids from the orphanage would have that last name, and it would mark them as not being part of a traditional family, family. name. So in that case, I also feel fortunate that we were able to bring Eli to this country. He's always had an awareness of his skin color, and I feel bad that he doesn't have a larger Asian-American community, and that hasn't really happened because you just meet the friends you meet. But I thought he'll go to the immersion program, and everything will be great. He'll be perfectly integrated into Portland, and then he's kind of found his own way. Eli, what's it like being in a biracial family? I don't find it any different. I just think of it as a normal family. Do you know other children that are adopted? Uh, yeah. There is one family that went to China with us and adopted a girl. And then I have a friend who was adopted from Guatemala. During the election cycle, I was really upset because 
anti-Asian slurs got kind of ignored by the mainstream media. People think it's okay to make fun of Asians and Asian Americans in all sorts of forms. I see it in commercials. I see it on TV shows. So I always feel like an advocate to call that out when I see it. Do you have anything you'd like to add? I don't really take it in. What advice do you have for mothers at large? Well, I'm really glad you asked me that question because no one asked me for advice as an adoptive mom. (laughs) Well, it's probably an exaggeration, but just try to relax and enjoy it all because it goes by quickly. That's the cliche, but it's true when I hear even his voice changes, his body changes, and there's like different trends in parenting that you think that has to be the right thing. And then you realize, wow, that might not have worked for my child. But he did co-sleep with us when he was little, and that seemed to help because of his early orphanage years where he was with a lot of other babies. Any other advice for other adoptive mothers? I guess just trust yourself. I have a friend that's going to go through Fost Adopt, and I just said, you can just tell me every little detail along the way. Just know that you can reach out to people because they really do care. And a lot of your stories that are really painful relate to other people's stories people I didn't know told me that they had had miscarriages or difficulties. And I've just felt so enriched by all those people's stories. And I think people want to know your stories. So beautiful. You're an exquisite mother. And um, I, I hope you know that. Thank you. Eli, what's one of your favorite times with your mother? I like making my family laugh. I want to say something funny, but I'll try to be you serious. Can. <laughs> what do you do for fun? Playing board games. Who usually wins? Me. Alex? I miss playing music right now. I'm, I'm not in a active band. Your son's in a band, right? Eli, yes. do you want to talk about your band? Yeah. What do you, what songs are you guys playing? Uh, we're playing Seven Nation Army, War Pigs, and Paint It Black. Wow. Oh. What instrument do you play? Um, well, I go from like marimba, snare drum, and then uh, bass drum, crash cymbals. And what's the group that you're with called? I think it's just the Mount Tabor Middle School Band. Wow, I'm really looking forward to having some of your music on the show. What's one of your fondest memories you have of your mother, Alex? Well, I always liked the way that she smelled. She had, I think she called it oil, is it oil of Olay? She called it oil of old lady. (laughs) She's funny and she's very relaxed. She was a homemaker. My dad was a reporter, so she spent a lot of time with us at home. And she read to me a lot, always ready to drop whatever and, and help out. But then she had her own life too when she started working. Do you have any plans for Mother's Day? It's also his adoption day. I would really like a pug. (laughs) No. (laughs) She's like thumbs down. (laughs) Being a soup podcast, we'd love to, of course, hear about your soup stories. I like spicy food. I I just like having more and more spicy things to challenge myself. Are there any soups that you like? My mom makes chili. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) need to maybe put a little more spicy stuff in your soups and get you souping more. <laughs> What's your thoughts on travel? I want to move somewhere really hot like Dubai because it's modern. I like modern architecture and I want to be an architect. Interesting. I like drawing buildings. My first grade teacher, he said I'd be good at architecture, so he kind of got me into it. Do you have any, any class in particular that you like? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad that he's learning Mandarin. I've been taking it since sixth grade. Oh, what is mother in Mandarin? It's mama. Mama? That was an easy question. Oh, I speak a little Mandarin, <laughs> don't I? <laughs> How do you say I love mama? Wohenji Huan mama. Any other fun words in Mandarin? 
Swear words? No, no. not swear words. <laughs> Brian Delaney. He doesn't know those, though. How do you say soup in Mandarin? I don't know how to say soup. And what about thank you? Shesha. Thank both of you yeah. for coming in. And happy Mother's Day to you. Thanks. How would you say goodbye? Zaijin. talking about doing the episode for this month about mothers, the topic came up of also interviewing an adoptive mother and son. And I went, oh, that's right. My brother's adopted. Something I don't think about. Why would it come to your mind? Or for me, like, why would it come to my mind? Mm-hmm. You know, if someone raises you your entire life, that's all you know. And my mother's so loving and my father was so loving. And it's hard to find someone who loves you that unconditionally. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about my mom thought about it over the years a few times here and there well man like where is my heritage who are they you know Mm -hmm. or where are they if they're even alive I don't think you can not think of that once that's just the human nature part of you I just don't talk about too often most of my family has like Italian roots and then I'm half Iranian Mm -hmm. that's really fascinating you know because I'm not raised by anyone who's Iranian I've even asked my mom about it and she's been really cool and she said they were lovely people and She got to speak with them, but there wasn't much more than that. Mm -hmm. I just don't think they were in the right position to raise a child. So I got brought up by my mom, and that was good. I'm in a good position. I'm happy, and I'm healthy. Yeah, life is good. You fairly recently got back from living in Australia for a year and traveling around Burma and Southeast Asia and Europe. What are some of your favorite things about travel? Oh, man. I mean... It's just unmatched the feelings I get and just the people that you meet and the cultures that you see. I just was never one to really say, I feel the most alive when I'm doing this. That is the truest thing. I don't know. Iran's really high on my list to travel to. Just fascinated with the Middle East and the fact that I am part Iranian, like it makes it more fascinating. Like that's the country that like my genes are from, Mm -hmm. you know, that's like part of my make. I think those countries get a bad rap because Man, in reality, there's just so many amazing people. So what I did is I just started this travel page. It's called Travels of Beauty. You can check it out if you want, at Travels of Beauty. And what I do is I post photos of a unique site in the world of different photographers that I really like, or even my own photos here and there. And I post a cool quote because I want it to be thought-provoking. You know, yeah, you can have a child. You can find the person you love. You can get your home. And those things are amazing, but think travel is right there I honestly think it's the most humbling thing in the world you know I don't think I'd be who I am without the things that I've seen you know I've had relationships abroad I've lived in so many countries and prayed with different people seen different things ate so much food and that's I feel like that's like what I live for I completely agree with you. First of all, I just adore you and I have to say that. But I just love watching your eyes light up. So it's clearly something that you like. Yeah, I mean, every culture is different. And that's why we love to travel, right? We love to see and open our minds and let stuff resonate with us in different ways. Talk to me about soup. Do you like soup? (laughs) (laughs) Be honest. Um, not my first choice of food, probably not my second or third either, but uh, I mean, I'll, I'll eat it if it's around. But if I do eat it, I have to have hot sauce in it. I think I have a slight addiction to that hot sauce. 
anything savory, like I just put tapatio on like pastas and stuff. Not all pastas, you know, you don't want to disrespect the person cooking it, but <laughs> you know, but with soups, it has to have some sort of thing because it usually doesn't cut it for me. I like pho though, but pho's not like eating chicken noodle soup. No offense, your chicken noodle soup was good. Damn, I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. I think I like the Asian style soups. You know, take me to Japan for a ramen bowl or take me to China. And especially I live in Southern California and it's warm a lot. So a soup, I don't know. There was one time I remember when the girls and I were down visiting you and we were all going to the canals. First, we were going to get food to take to the beach. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, you know, a sandwich or something. Yeah. And Osana and Lucinda ordered a chicken noodle soup guys, man. and milk. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant, so that just sounds like a disaster. <laughs> Spare me. We got down to the waterline and we're setting out the beach towels and mm, a nice warm bowl of soup and a carton of milk at the beach. What a lovely lunch. Oh, God. That's what you know you're not from around that area. <laughs> I'm so happy you're my brother. I 100% get you. I want to be your brother. My mom made a lot of soup, uh, vegetable soup, specialty, rosemary, navy bean soup, tofu noodle soup. We're talking vegetarian soup. We got chili, chili always with the cornbread. That's chili with TVP. Yeah, mom taught me to make soup. I think vegetable soup was the vessel in which, as a little kid, she taught me to smell the green spices and crumble them into the soup. Yeah, we're a serious soup family. Well, when I think of moms and soup, I think of my mom making Christmas gumbo. It's a Cajun tradition. Uh, involving shrimp, uh, some rice, vegetables, and, and really, really spicy sausage. We start on December 23rd, and then we finish up on the 24th, and then we eat it that night for Christmas Eve. It's a whole big family event. Get together and you make gumbo. Um, well, when I was growing up, my mother would make this, uh, this sort of like beef stew that was always really comforting and delicious. She made it year-round. She didn't just make it in the winter or in the autumn. And... At this point in my life, whenever I'm in a grocery store and I see chunks of beef for sale, or when I'm at the farmer's market and see okra, green beans, carrots, things like this, uh, it reminds me of my mother. It makes me want, makes me crave her beef stew, makes me want to go and visit her. You're, You're listening, listening to, to Peace, Peace, Love, and, and Soup. Hello? Robin, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Thanks for having me. I still can't believe I'm a mom. Now, when did you give birth to Remzi? Almost one month ago. Oh, my gosh. Well, you just had a baby. Tell us all about it. <laughs> I'm terribly sleep-deprived. But, I mean, it's all the things that newborn happiness can bring. It's beautiful and brutal at the same time. It's like the extremes of life. I feel like I have become a soldier because there's things that I have to do that I would have never done in my singular solo life. You're just constantly in a frazzle and to even consider food and new recipes can be daunting. But you have to eat because mm -hmm. you're feeding somebody else from your body, which is turned into a milk machine. And this is coming from a foodie, because when I first met you, you were like traveling the country, eating at wonderful restaurants <laughs> and, and drinking amazing wine. So to hear you say like, I, I don't know what to think about food, <laughs> it's just shocking. 
No? Yeah, Brian, that was another lifetime. <laughs> You're still a fun party girl. Come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was all about mm-hmm. travel and food and was not even thinking about being a mom. And then I moved to Brooklyn five years ago and a year later met my fiance, this magical man. And I wanted nothing more but to procreate with them. And now we have two babies. It's so much better than any (laughs) five-star restaurant could ever be. It's really something I highly recommend to everybody on the planet Earth. I heard once that um, career-driven women who work more than 40 hours a week versus women who are doing those careers with kids, the women with the kids were actually less stressed out. They say it's because... When you're just working without kids, you're kind of giving everything, all of yourself into your work. And when you have your kids, you're giving part of yourself to your kids and your kids actually love you back. Whereas your work doesn't love you back. I hope that that's not too controversial. No. Because I was. I I was one of those career women, so... It's a wonderful thing, but as a parent, you get so good at juggling stuff. And I wonder if some of that carries over into your work, like if you just get better at doing it. I think so, yeah. And maybe it's also easier to take things a little lighter and move forward in ways that were unthinkable before. I also have a 23-month-old. She really forces me to take things lightly. If you start getting heavy with her, then she just goes down a bad road. And if you keep everything light and fun and this tantrum might be happening right now, but it's going to pass in just about two minutes and then we're going to be on to something else. Are you talking about your fiance or are you talking about your daughter? (laughs) It does. It actually does um, help you through all relationships in life because you see that the lightness road is the road to ease and happiness. Don't you feel it really stretches you as a human being? It's the most horrific, wonderful... Literally and... (laughs) (laughs) I think pregnancy can be tough and obviously labor is no joke and so you get through it all and there's just these celestial (laughs) beauties waiting for you. So... um, Well, you sound like you're doing an excellent job and handling it all really well, too. We just interviewed somebody who had issues becoming pregnant and later adopted. Oh, God, I have so much admiration for people who adopt. And there's so many kids who need love in this world. And to open your home to somebody, I have always thought about that. One of the things that I never realized that happens when you meet your baby is that they are a total stranger. They are their own person. And so I think that's something to keep in mind just in terms of like raising family and deciding if adoption is something that you can be open to. Because you're saying even children that you birth are strangers to you. So the same would be said for adoption. Yeah. You know, people think that like, oh, I can't adopt for some reason or another. I mean, it sounds so hippie, but we're all children of this planet. So it takes us all to kind of look out for each other and raise each other. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I guess like what is mothering and can other people mother you besides your own parent? Oh God, yes, absolutely. I have an amazing sisterhood of friends here in New York because my family is all in California who really looked out for me and still do and and take care of me. We've shared with each other how I'm like your gay husband, but sometimes you are like such a supportive mother to me, and I really, really appreciate it, and and a friend at the same time. So um, 
That is so beautiful. I can't believe you said that, Brian. You're my mother. Oh, <laughs> you guys. We mother each other. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Yes. Happy Mother's Day to you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing being able to mother and let yourself be mothered by other people. And I think just having that mm-hmm. vulnerability, too, to allow that and also to recognize that. You know? You're right. I think what happens with women especially is that we're, we're such born caretakers that we forget that we also need to be taken care of. Definitely. I, I assume that we're going to talk about soup at some point. <laughs> soup? Why would we talk about soup? So if you were thinking about your mother and soup, what story comes to mind? I, I've always wanted to go to shake me. And so um, my mom rented a limo and picked me up. Wait, what restaurant is this again? Chez Oh, thank you. It's a set menu when you get there, you don't order. And one of the opening scenes was a celery root soup. This sounds totally disgusting because one of the few <laughs> things I hate in life is celery. Anyway, it came out and it was the most delicious, exceptional. I was I, so unexpected because I'm not a soup person at all. It never occurred to me to drink my calories, <laughs> except for wine. But actually, it went like wine because it was so structural and had all this depth and complexity to it. And now I have a, a new appreciation for soup. Well, you're also broadening our soup horizons because we can do stew, we can do tea, and now we're going to open it up wine. to wine. Wine yeah, is soup. Let's get some Pinot Noir soup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think you'll find as the kids get older, it can become something that you can make easily. And it's so delicious and nutritious. And you can just always have a ready meal to go. That's the hope. <laughs> My toddler, she's at the stage where she's really just about like French fries and chicken nuggets. She's not into soup either. Do you guys have any insight on ways to introduce vegetable soup? that might be more fun or in disguise. It sounds quite difficult because I think it's pretty in bread that she doesn't like soup like her mom. <laughs> well, I mean, it can also be you take something you know she likes, say, you know, she likes chicken, she likes French fries, so maybe it's like a, it's a creamy potato chicken soup or something, and that's maybe what you start with. Maybe you have a recipe that I can make from. You'll be able to use this month's chicken noodle soup recipe, the mother of all soups, which we are going to discuss. And if there's a specific type of pasta, you could use so many different types. There's like alphabet noodles or fettuccine noodles or whatever sort of shape you like. Alphabet soup? That sounds brilliant because my almost two-year-old is really excited about the ABCs. So anything that we can put in front of her that's related to that. That's why I love you guys. I love your podcast. Because it just needs the inspiration. Then I can roll it out. <laughs> well, you have our number. Oh, I miss you so miss you much. And I was like, when I saw that you're on KBU, I was like, oh my God, this is so appropriate. I always call Brian my boo. He's my husband. The reason he's my husband is because when I moved to New York, I was dating horrific New York guys. <laughs> and along comes Brian and we start working together and he treats me like this queen and this goddess. He's like, Robin, do you mind if we take the long way home just so you can see this gorgeous view? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is how I want my husband to treat me. 
you know, you have to manifest what you want in life. So I started calling him my husband. So someone who treats me this good will become my husband. <laughs> and I was also the one that, that told you you had to date three men at a time because you get too attached if you're just one so or two. I called it four pots on the burner. I have to have four pots on the burner at all times. <laughs> I didn't tell you go four guys. I was, <laughs> I was the tricky triangle. I told you about the oh, tricky triangle. <laughs> well, I interpreted it as, as four, four pots and. <laughs> And one of them can be boiling, mm-hmm. but the rest of them have to be on simmer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is very and fascinating. That was good advice. Yeah, it worked out great. I wonder if I should share that with my teenage daughter. Oh, not yet. <laughs> oh, well, oh, okay. it sounds like the timing was good. Yeah. All right, that well, note. Thank you so much, Robin. It yeah. was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. It was so fun. Yes. Well, take care of that baby and take care of yourself, okay. too. I will. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of a, a weird story. It's about my grandmother, and um, she used to make excellent soup. But she always, like, made this joke about there being more puppy in the bottom of the soup. <laughs> so I always avoided um, getting any meat because I was afraid there was, like, dog meat in the bottom of the soups. You know, I didn't really get the story until later in life, which is, I guess, my grandfather uh, was eating, like, dog soup somewhere, I think, in France during World War II because they like didn't have hardly any food over there. But as a child, I didn't get that. You got to get down in to get the puppy in the bottom of the soup. <laughs> when I was growing up, my mom was always making chicken soup. There'd always be like a big pot on the stove that was cooking for a whole day. When I went out on my own, I thought, well, that'll be easy. I'll just make soup for myself. So I just would get a chicken and put it in a pot with water and boil it. And it didn't turn out great. I had a mess at the end. I had to pick out the bones and skim off the fat and kind of call it soup. So when I went back home to visit my mom, I noticed she would um, cook the chicken first and uh, set the, the meat aside and then cook the rest of it and strain off the broth. I wouldn't recommend just uh, throwing the whole chicken in the pot because it's not going to be good. Here we are again in the kitchen. We're making the mother of all soups, chicken noodle soup. Now, Tava, you were a very busy bee last night, weren't you? Well, I made the base, which is our stock, last night. I used my mother-in-law's recipe of doing it. I took the carcasses of two roasted chickens, threw them in a pot, along with the tops and bottoms of a celery bunch, and the peels of eight carrots, and a couple sprigs of rosemary, and I also put in an entire yellow onion that I'd cut up into a few pieces, and five cloves of garlic, and covered it all with water, brought it to a boil, and kept it at a medium simmer for about four hours. Then I refrigerated it overnight. And so now we have this fat just ready to skim right off the top like we're doing now. Oh, and don't put salt in your stock. When your stock boils, it boils down. And so you may have then accidentally over salted. Well, we got all of the fat skimmed off and we're just gonna pour it all through a colander and pitch out all of those solids. Then we'll have our stock ready to go. And then we'll just bring it up to a boil on the stove and we'll add all those delicious vegetables that Brian chopped up for us. Also, I additionally thrown in that little bundle of herbs that we threw together with rosemary and parsley and sage on Mother's Day bouquet. Let's get the pasta water. So we got the two pots on the stove. 
Well, one of the fun surprises that we have for mothers out there is we're gonna add wine to our recipe. We just have a bottle of table wine. It's some Chardonnay, adding a lot of flavor. And we decided we're gonna add a couple of cups. Then we've got some of the bottle that you and I can still drink while we're cooking. Um, and no worries about getting kids drunk or anything because the high temperature is gonna burn off all the alcohol. All right, so your beautiful homemade stock has come to a boil. Add all those vegetables into the broth. Three cups of chopped rainbow carrots, three cups of celery, and three cups of turnip. I think adding turnip is a fantastic way to get cruciferous vegetables into your children, or anybody in the family for that matter. And I'm guessing 15 minutes. These vegetables we did chop pretty small. The chicken's already cooked. We're not even gonna put in the chicken just yet. We're gonna wait. Stir that all through. And we've got our spicy end to the whole dish later coming up. Surprise coming. Those are jalapeno peppers. We roasted them up in a cast iron skillet and they got brown on a couple sides and got poppy. Oh look, your pasta water's done. Let's oh. throw the pasta in there. Now obviously with chicken soup, you can do rice, you can do matzo ball, you can do noodle. But after our conversation yesterday with Robin and trying to get her daughter to eat soup, we suggested to her to use alphabet noodles. So we're doing that today. And we're just gonna add that into the boiling water. We're gonna set the timer. And then we'll cool down our pasta and then throw it in at the very end, right? Perfect. With the chicken. Mm -hmm. So Toby, I'm just gonna quickly rinse the letters with some cold water so that it stops the cooking process. And then add a tablespoon of olive oil, just so to keep it from sticking to one another. Smart. They're perfectly cooked, good mm, job. Mm, it smells so good. And 15 minutes are up. Yeah, and everything's tender. Our vegetables are just a really nice consistency. And we're gonna put in our three cups of chicken now. So it's probably about the chicken from one of those carcasses. I'll save the rest for chicken salad. And then uh, we're gonna take some taste so you and I can decide how much salt. There was none added to the stock ahead of time and we didn't add any when we're cooking. I would say let's start with a tablespoon of salt. Sprinkle that through. And I'm just gonna add, we ultimately ended up going with shredded chicken and I like it a lot because there's the chunks of the vegetables and the chicken sort of stands out on its own as a shredded piece. What do you think? I think it's really pretty. Yeah, there's the slivers of chicken and then the squares and cubes of the vegetables. Let's taste. I'm gonna say maybe we stop here because people that like more salt can add more salt, but people that don't wouldn't be able to take it away. And I actually feel like mothers will say use less salt. At least Dolores yeah. does mention that to me. Huggy would want no salt. Oh, boo. She, we won't tell her that we added any. <laughs> hey Dow, um, so we would love to have you taste our soup. All right. Uh, Brian put a sprinkling of jalapeno on top of my husband's soup. Well, it smells great. Let's see how it tastes. Yeah, it's got plenty of kick to it already. That's really good, though. I'm trying not to slurp since I'm being recorded. <laughs> so, sweetie, will you share with us that story that you guys have from cooking chicken? I remember watching my grandma make fried chicken in uh, Springfield, Missouri. This always smelled really good when it was cooking. And I asked her, what would you put in it? And she said, parsley, sage, and rosemary. And I was like, and thyme? Because of the <laughs> song and stuff. And she's like, no, no, don't put thyme. So that's one of the few things that I know about cooking is don't put thyme in chicken. <laughs> what do you think? I like the ratio. We were very cautious when we were adding our vegetables in and our chicken in. And I think we did a fine job. I like the turnip, too. Mm. 
I was hesitant at first with the turnip. And then I was thinking it resembles a cubed potato. The way we chopped it smaller, I'm getting that nice crunch. I think it's fun that we decided to add some fresh parsley on top. The small pasta, the little letters. And the wine, of course. Can you taste the wine, sweetie? No, can't. Oh, maybe we need to dump some more in. (laughs) (laughs) Our soup hack for this month was using Dow's Famous Chicken, also known as the ready roasted chicken from the grocery store. We used two of them. And you wouldn't know. Actually, somewhere I was reading that that's a really good thing because the chicken's already been roasted and browned. There's like another level of flavor to it. Levels of flavor. And then in honor of Eli, we added these jalapeno peppers. In fine weather, we'll just throw it on the barbecue. But today, Brian and I roasted them whole in a cast iron skillet and then afterwards sliced them up. And removed the center. We didn't put the seeds in at all. That's right. And so if you're like Eli and you like spicy, you can add a little. Then if you really like spicy and you want to challenge yourself like he does, you can add a whole lot. The soup is definitely good for what ails you. The wonderful thing about making your own stock, so simple, easiest thing to do, costs nothing. You're using things that you would normally just throw away but you're getting all of that great gelatin and the nutrition from the bones and the cartilage. And that's another thing that makes this soup really healthy. It really is a mother's cure-all. It's bringing me back to my childhood days and I think it's the little letters in there. I love seeing the letters. Like, what are you gonna spell out in your soup today? Wonderful, again, making soup with you today, Tabe. It's a beautiful Sunday here in Portland. Oh, and happy Mother's Day too. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all of us. A toast to all mothers everywhere, but especially to our mothers. Thank you, Dolores and Huggy. Cheers. And now for the ever popular segment in our show, Did You Know? Did you know that both chicken soup and noodle soup have been around for centuries, but it was the Campbell Soup Company that really brought the two together, culminating in the now famous chicken noodle soup. The name itself was actually an accident. In 1934, Campbell's Noodle with Chicken Soup debuted. Although the soup sold well immediately, it prospered even more just five years later when it was mistakenly advertised by the host of the Amos and Andy radio show as Chicken Noodle Soup. People went nuts for the stuff. Surprisingly, Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup still does well today, even in an age where many people are making their own soups and stews at home. Did you know the classic chicken soup consists of a clear chicken broth with pieces of chicken and or vegetables with common additions of pasta, rice, or matzo ball. The widespread wisdom that chicken noodle soup is good for you when you're sick has been passed down by mothers and grandmothers for generations. In 1993, Dr. Stephen Renard famously studied its curative powers. He found it to be a veritable soup of beneficial ingredients that alleviate common cold and flu symptoms. And finally, did you know a rich homemade chicken soup provides electrolytes, which are especially valuable when the body is dehydrated from illness. Also present are nutrients, including protein, calcium, and gelatin from the boiled bones. The gelatin in the chicken stock has numerous benefits, providing the body with glycine, an amino acid critical for liver function and detoxification, building healthy bones and joints with the calcium that's also present, and it increases digestibility. Cool. Yeah. 
fun fact. In many countries, chicken soup is considered a comfort food. Let's hear about it. All right. It. So in China, many soups start with a base of chicken broth. In Denmark, the soup may be served with small white dumplings and meatballs. Delish. The French serve chicken-based forms of bouillon and consommé. Bouillon et consommé. <laughs> Thank you for correcting my French. <laughs> with typical French seasoning, which may include your favorite bay leaves, <laughs> your husband's favorite thyme, dry white wine, and garlic. Oh, like the white wine we put in this month's soup. Exactly. Maybe. You know, in Ghana, chicken soup is commonly seasoned with lemon juice or vinegar. I've had it that way Have before. You? And very often people add a mixture of yogurt and egg towards the end of the cooking process to make the soup dense and creamy. In Jewish culture, chicken soup is a traditional dish in the Jewish kitchen. That is a mouthful. That is. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. 12th century rabbi and physician touted the benefits of chicken soup to one's health, which is why it is also known as Jewish penicillin. And in uh, United Kingdom, a thick, creamy variety called cream of chicken soup, which may not contain any vegetable pieces at all, is popular. Oh. And then lastly, a distinct version from Scotland that has become popular throughout the UK is called, are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Cockaleaky soup. <laughs> it's not called cockaleaky soup. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a clear, thin broth of shredded chicken and leeks. Hello, Mama. You there? Oh, hi, Brian. Yes. Welcome, and thanks so much, Dolores, for agreeing to be on Peace, Love, and Soup. Well, yeah. I hope you like it. What? I love you. You're my mom. That's how yeah, it goes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. This month's all about mothers, so we thought, well, we should probably talk to our mothers. <laughs> that would be good. Yes, yes. <laughs> so anyway, right. I guess let's just start with my first question is, um, so you had children early compared well, to mothers today. You know, in those days, that wasn't. I was late. Really? Yeah, because all my friends were married younger than I, and they all had children. Was there a pressure from your parents or society to do so? No. Okay. No, I didn't. Um, the, the only pressure came when you did get married, they would say immediately, well, when are you going to have a baby? Mm. What was the average age people were having children then? Right out of high school. Mm -hmm. That was considered the norm then, and they wanted to do that. Whereas I really, <laughs> I really wasn't ready. I just wanted to, I don't know, I felt like traveling and seeing the world like Brian. Mm -hmm. I was, he has my wanderlust. But then my parents were, I had the pressure not to do that. <laughs> they didn't want me to leave, so. They didn't I want you to go to college, though, either, did they? My mother did, yeah. My father, my father was a nice guy, but very old-fashioned mm -hmm. <laughs> in that. He, he thought education was wasted on a girl, um, so I could just come into his office and be his secretary. And did you end up going to college? I did, and I loved it, yeah. So some got married out of high school, some got married out of college. Most right. of them stayed home, it sounds like. You would have loved to have traveled. Yes, yes. But Jack Delaney's ship was sailing, and he was like, get on board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, those Irishmen. That Jackie boy. <laughs> Jack and I dated for a long, long time. Mm. So, anyhow. Yes. And then how old were you when you got married? Well, I think I was 24. And then, you know, I, I got pregnant right away. Everybody got pregnant right away, whether you, whether you wanted to or not. It just kind of happened. Was it everything you thought it would be, being a mother? I loved being a mother. 
I love the baby pot. I, you know, a lot of girls mm. didn't like the baby pot. And, um, you had the Dr. Spock book. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I remember going to my children's pediatrician and whatever the situation was. And he gave me his answer. And I said, but Dr. Spock doesn't say that. <laughs> and he said, well, don't listen to him. You had easy okay. pregnancies? I would have liked to have had a girl, but I oh. didn't. But the four boys were fun. Boys hmm. are fun. You have children, right? I do have two daughters. One is 16 and one is 19. And I oh. guess I always assumed I would have boys, so it was surprising to me that I had girls, and they were fantastic. Well, I had had no sister, and I had two brothers. And then I had four sons, so I didn't have a lot of feminine models. I reached a point where I didn't know what to do with a girl, especially when my oldest son came home with a girl. I didn't know how to talk to her. I didn't know what to do with her. And it was really weird. I got used to that. Well, I don't know whether I do or not. Well, now you have two, <laughs> you have two granddaughters. How are you doing with them? Yeah, no, I'm doing okay with them. I'm enjoying the two granddaughters and two grandsons. So what do you prefer, being a grandmother or being a mother? Do you have a preference? Um, I really like being a grandmother. I like being a mother. But I was just, my husband traveled all the time. So the four boys were my full responsibility. And I never got a break from it. Mm -hmm. I think that was what I wished that I had, a break from the kids when they were growing up. And then I could come back to them refreshed. So this brings up a good point, because we just spoke with Robin, who is a professional woman. She's a worker and has kids. But she works. Yes, she's working, but in a way it is still a break from the kids. Yeah, but that's hard to do, too, yeah. is it? I don't, I don't know. There's very few of my friends who had babies and went to work. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was no place for your children. Daycare was just beginning. Yeah. But now, Tave, your mom was a single mom, but she worked. My mom, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and there were girls that had to work. Mm. How they did it, I don't know. Because mm. I, I stayed home, and I thought, oh, my God, mm -hmm. how could I do this and, and work, too? I, I couldn't figure that out. But then I didn't have to do it. You know how they say you become your mother? Do you think oh, you yeah. became your mother? I Silence. <laughs> did you say, God, I hope not? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, that is what I said. I'm sorry. No. It's I'm a, with... sorry, Mother, I said that. My mother was very caring. She, she loved being a mother. She loved staying home, too. We had difficulties in our later years. She wanted to control me, and I didn't want to be controlled. So, um, But I think I became my father. Mm -hmm. We talk, you know, David and I or Tavi and I, it's like, who do you take after, your mother, your father, or a combo? So I just and wonder. what do you say? Um, sometimes people think I'm a lot like you, and then other times they'll say, like, dad. So I, I would say a mix, you know? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Definitely. Well, right. I guess we should get around to soup. Oh. Do you, did your mother cook? Did she have any soups that she used to make? As kids, we used to call them garbage soup because she would just empty out her refrigerator, put in a pot with water, and cook it up. And we didn't like it, so we called, oh, oh, my God, it's time for garbage soup, you know. But, <laughs> but she, <laughs> She's rolling over in her grave right now. I know, she is. <laughs> they really were delicious. I bet. She oh. was a really good cook. What about you yourself? Do you ever make soup? Uh, yeah, I, I make all kinds of soup. And, of course, I make garbage soup now, too. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, so I, in that way, I take after her. And, um, I never remember calling it garbage soup, though. 
No, you didn't. Mm. You were kind. <laughs> no, it was well, and it was tasty. At this point in my life, I was I was enjoying it, and you know, but um, and I probably the, as a good marketer, your mother wasn't saying, "Here, children, I made you garbage soup. Have it, have it." <laughs> yes, yes, right. <laughs> oh, I guess for you, I remember zucchini soup, and I know yeah, you yeah, made that yeah. sort of later. That's what I make. I still make that. Um, so tell our audience what your zucchini soup is. Well, I make a zucchini soup that is really delicious. Agreed. And it has zucchini, onions, garlic, carrots, and you just cook that all up in like a chicken broth. You cook it just until all those vegetables are soft, and then you puree it. Then you will take it off the heat, and you will add to the hot mixture beat-up eggs and Parmesan cheese mm. and salt and pepper. Delicious. It is delicious. Don't you think, Brian? I do. I agree. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So what advice do you have for mothers? You have to invest time in your children. Mm. You do. And it pays off in the end. You don't, But it doesn't mean you have to be with them all the time. You need to love them. You need to talk with them. You have to have fun with them. Um, and you have to not yell at them <laughs> all the time. Right, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No, no, no. Mom, you were, you were an amazing woman. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, and seriously, and friend, and, well, and fun person. T- also, yeah. I, by training, I was a teacher, mm-hmm. and I had worked with kids in public schools. When I first had kids, I didn't do all of this stuff. I've evolved. As we um, all have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, Different kids need different things from their mothers, and you have to figure out what that is. It's true. And we had the mother that was in here talking about her adoptive son and saying, he taught me to be the mother that he needed. Right. Can you be mothered by other people? Have you been mothered by other people? Yes, I have. And I liked being mothered by people. I didn't like being smothered, though. I liked being mothered, but not smothered. Um, I think I'm very much like you in that. Great. I would yeah. say I am as well. Yeah. yeah. Mother, not smother. Our next T-shirt. We we make a T-shirt every episode. So <laughs> thank you, Mom. You got us our next T-shirt. Yay. It's been really delightful talking to you. I have enjoyed this. Bye. Bye. Bye, Mom. Love you. I'm going to be interviewing my mother, Huggy. This month's podcast is called Mother's Soup in honor of Mother's oh. and Mother's Days. Soup was a thing. I mean, I was thinking the other day when we used to make gazpacho all the time, you know, cold soup. Mm-hmm. I got to make some of that. Actually, next month, June, is going to be gazpacho month or okay. tomato month. Mom made soup a lot. And mom's soup was like a fruit soup, but it wasn't horribly sweet. It had tapioca in it and prunes in it and citrus things, oranges, stuff like that. Ooh, that was so good because it was such a different tasting thing. Which do you prefer, being a mother or being a grandmother? Equal. And I'm lucky that I was with my grandkids a lot, and I really, really, really cherish that. And I remember, you know, I go, oh, I'm not ready to be a grandmother. But bless that little Osana, because I used to call her my huggy bug. Well, when she started to talk, she started calling me Huggy. This great name. It wasn't Nana. It wasn't Grandmother. It's an endearing name. What does the word mothering mean to you? It means love and caring for a child, whether it came out of you or you got it from somebody else. And 
raising your kids so that they're happy and they're themselves, so that they can grow up and have a happy life. I could have a baby every year and take care of it. I love babies. I just always have from the day I was a little one. Love baby dolls. The Amos and Andrew, the little brown baby, was my favorite doll because it was a little wetty doll. When I was in the eighth grade, I'd take that doll to school and at recess, I would feed it water and it would wet its pants. I mean, 14. I was really a late bloomer for sure. Do you have other people that mothered you and how? Well, you know, the village takes care of the kids. So consider all those people that were around you. They were mothering you, the older people. And you certainly mother me. It's a mutual feeling. Talk to us about your experience of moving away from home and all of that. Yeah, you know, it's so weird because I had girlfriends that when they went through high school, they all were going to be secretaries. And, you know, that was the furthest thing from I was not about to be a secretary at all. A couple of days after I graduated, I was off. (laughs) Throughout my whole life, I always wanted to experience other things in the world, so I would just do that. Throughout my whole life, I always marveled at my one friend that started working for a company and worked 20, 40 years or something, and I'd always get bored and want to try something new. Anyhow, I grew up sewing, and so that's how I started. I ended up designing at a rug company based in China, I did that for a long time. In those days, back in the 60s, if you had any skills, you could quit a job and find another in a few hours. Costuming, though, I really loved. I worked on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and making clothes like Jack Nicholson's jacket. And I did costuming for films and commercials from then on, up until my dad died. And dad died really unexpectedly. He was only 60. And it was a shame that I didn't continue in it. I grew up with my grandparents, and I thought, oh, my kids should grow up with their grandparents, too. So when we were living in San Francisco and Grandpa died, what brought you home was Grandma. Yeah, well, yeah, for your kids. As a single parent, how was that experience? Did you have any help from friends, or did you just do it on your own? I'm extremely independent. It's a hard job, but it's it did never feel hard to me, though. I mean, there's times when you, you've got loads of things to do, but that doesn't matter. It had nothing to do with having kids. Some jobs could just work from home. When you were little, this one shoe company really wanted me to work for them. I could have traveled to Europe and done all those things, but I said to him, I can't because I want to stay home with my child. You couldn't find a good babysitter. You know, and then there was a church that had daycare, and, and you were in that school, and that was great. Then when he got older, then I'd use the Y because they had after-school care, which as a single mother, he had to utilize all of that. Maybe we used to call it women's lib, but in a way, I think you're the first feminist I ever knew. Would you consider yourself a feminist? Probably. I mean, not compared to the hard-nosed ones, but yeah, holding down a job and doing all of the other stuff, you know. Both my parents cooked, and they'd both do everything, and even my grandparents. So I grew up in a household that... There wasn't those real definition of things. I'm sure that made me who I was. And it never said anything about me not getting married either, ever, ever, ever. So I've never asked you this, but how old were you when you gave your virginity away? Oh, everybody thought I was the one that was out there. with. I loved boys, and I loved kissing, but that was it. And boys were great to me. They didn't even try anything. I, I, like I said, I was a late bloomer. 
I was 21. Both of my kids, I was taking precautions too. I was on birth control. And they didn't most days tell you that if you had taken antibiotics, it could stop the birth control pill that I was on at that time. It wasn't like you were planning them. But you go, well, you, you wanted them. So you chose to have the kids and love the kids. You know, I was raised in a church too, so I had to buck all of that to remain single in those days with two kids. And Was it a choice to stay single your whole life? All the other girls would sit and look at bride magazines. I never thought about it, you know, I really didn't. It wasn't like marriage wasn't important. If somebody loved you and really cared about you and you really cared about them, but that just hadn't happened. Tavi's dad and I guess wasn't the right time or the right person. or I mean, I just didn't sit and think, oh, God, I wish I would have been married. I was just picky. <laughs> but the man of my life was from Germany, and he was a, an orphan. His mother fell down the stairs and was killed when he was two and was put in an orphanage. And he was he's just a dream, and he unfortunately died at 55. We both were too scared to ever get together. Yeah, anyhow, he was funny. All the men that I cared about have always been funny. Tavi's dad had a funny streak in him. Lyric's dad, too. Funny is important to me. Oh, God. How did we get? We're supposed to be talking about Mother's Day. How did we get on men? Lord knows. Well, Mom, thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking with me today, and it's going to be a treat to have this. There's so many things that I wish I'd asked my mother. Well, I love you. I love you too, sweetie. Happy Mother's Day to you. Well, my mother didn't make soup, but my grandmothers were both avid soup makers. Grandma Chiminello's soup was pretty thin, I would say on the brothy side, full of chicken and things like dandelion greens, whatever she could find in the garden or the yard, while Grandma Jack's soup was a Depression-era ragu filled with chunky things like beef and carrots. My mother had a dog named Bibbs. Now, this dog was very particular. When Grandma Chiminello's soup would come into the house, she'd sniff it and walk away. When Grandma Jack's soup came into the house, that dog would jump and yip and scream until she got a big bowl of that delicious hearty soup. You've been listening to Peace, Love, and Soup. Audio nourishment for both the heart and the mind. With Brian Delaney and Tave Fashe Drake. We'd like to close today's show with quotes from two very famous women who have mothered the masses without ever having birthed children of their own. From Oprah Winfrey, biology is the least of what makes someone a mother. And from Mother Teresa, peace begins with a smile. Join us next month when we're talking about tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes for the start of summer and the beginning of tomato season. Chicken noodle soup, chicken noodle soup, chicken noodle soup with a soda on the side. Chicken noodle soup. Ending the show is Chicken Noodle Soup by DJ Webstar, performed by Young B and the Voice of Harlem. Chicken noodle soup, chicken noodle soup with a soda on the side. Chicken noodle soup, chicken noodle soup. For past episodes, photos, recipes, and more, Go to peaceloveandsoup.com. There you can subscribe to our podcast and sign up for our newsletter. We need your support. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. 
and tell all of your friends to join us at the table at peaceloveandsoup.com.